Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 97.1 FM Talk. Podcast. All right, it is Saturday. Good Saturday afternoon, everybody. It is my favorite work day of the week. <laughs> Not a work day for everybody, but uh, a real quick one-hour work day for me. Um, love, love being able to get on and, and help everybody out and hopefully deliver some good information and maybe answer you know, some questions for, for some people out there and, and help them figure out you know what's going on around their house or maybe what's happening with a remodeling project that you're doing um, or figuring out maybe this is the best way to do something or, you know, are you going down the right path in, in how to do it or, or the products that you're using? There's all kinds of, you know, informations about the house inside and out, um, siding, roofing, windows, all the way into remodeling your, your kitchens, your lower levels uh, is a, a big thing we talked about last week. Might touch on that just a little bit again. But I want to, uh, you know, have your subjects, your topics, and see if I can get you any help around your house. Um, So the phone lines are wide open. Call in 314-241-9797 or 866-455-9797. I'm here. I got one hour for you dedicated for what you have going on. We can help you out and... uh, We'd love to do so. And, you know, I, I, I learned this morning, even the, even the professionals, even the guys that do this on a, a daily basis, and I talk about this all the time, um, about just going around and examine your house. Just look at it. Take a walk around and just see if anything, you know, seems out of place, um, anything just weird. Is there something on your roof or your siding? Is there something hanging down? Is there something discolored or just looks like it's maybe missing or not there? And, um, and I've been outside my house. I've, you know, last weekend and in, in middle of the week, I was planting sod and spreading topsoil and getting the outside, you know, done and, and looking better and doing all this work on the house. And, completely did not notice that I have like three roofing shingles that just basically slid right down the roof. Um, and, and a neighbor walking by, walking their dog, stopped my wife this morning and said, Hey, take a look at this. He's like, is this your house? She's like, yeah. He's like, you know, you've got some roofing shingles coming down. And of course, you know, I'm supposed to know that, you know, and I've looked around the house. I had a drone flying around the house, looking at my chimney and some stuff probably two months ago, just making sure things still looked up to snuff and it was all fine then. But, you know, you can't really do this often enough, you know, just to make sure because you never know when things happen. So all that time outside, everything we were going through, 
and still just didn't notice on you know one side of this roof that that's happened and um and, and so if someone were to call in about this, you know, I would talk about the conditions. Like, so on my roof, it's, you know, a newer construction home, not the best building practices going on with all of them. So my roof was, was put on with staples, which is not the best way to do it. And, um, you know, it doesn't have that roofing head kind of nail head to really help, you know, hold that down real well. Or if it starts to pull up that thin staple can rip through, you know, so much easier than an actual, you know, head of a roofing nail, nice and flat. And, you know, so there's different types of fasteners for all these applications. And of course, trying to go fast and trying to save money and build it, you know, quickly and as cheaply as possible, they use the staplers. And if you set that air too high, you might blow into that shingle a little too deep with that staple probably what happened in, in that area. And, uh, you know, so now guess what I'm doing this weekend. I'm going to be up there play, <laughs> replacing a few shingles. I've got them in the garage from other, you know, shingle repairs I've done in the past and I uh, just need to do it again. But so get out there, check out your house, walk around. I mean, and, and just see, you know, what's going on. You could have pieces of siding laying on the ground. You know, you could have several <laughs> things going on that you really just have no idea about, you know, see, look for green leaves growing out of the gutters. And, and, you know, I've literally seen little mini trees growing out of gutters and, you know, and and you can't tell that that stuff's in that gutter until it gets higher than that gutter. So walk about inspect. And if you see something odd out of place, feel free to give me a call and you can describe it to me and I'll, I'll try and help figure out you know, what's going on with you and give you some advice on uh, what to do about it. Maybe you need a professional, maybe you can handle it yourself, something simple, but give us a shout and I will do what I can to help you out. 314-241-9797-866-455-9797. And we'll be doing this uh, for the next hour. So a few things going on I want to touch on with, um, you know, out at Mosby and what we're doing. So, Today was that seminar. We've been talking about it for the past couple, two or three weeks. Um, our seminar on lower levels that they're uh, doing, basically probably wrapping up right about now. It started at 1030. They're probably having some questions with people right about now and just kind of, you know, talking about and kind of ending the whole thing. But, um, you know, just great things that we try and do similar to this show to get some good advice out there and just really get get people educated is the goal. Get in understanding what needs to happen and what's going to happen and, you know, how to uh, just what you need to do with things. And when you have that, you know, understanding, an educated consumer is so much better than a non-educated consumer. When you know what you're getting, you know what you're getting delivered, you understand you know, what it's worth, the value and the repercussions of one way or the other, you know, some, you get to pick. I mean, sometimes some ways are okay for, for this and and not quite good enough for that. And maybe it's timeline in the home that you want to think about, um, and, and how you choose that stuff. But, you know, we love to do all this stuff and we, we love to help you out and, and just educate everybody. Um, so this was our last seminar this year. We'll have a new list for for next year, I'm sure, that um, 
because we had some great turnouts. I think they had like 47 people or something registered for, for this uh, lower level seminar, which is really, you know, I, I feel a good number, you know, of people coming and um, really filling it up. So it's great information. The next thing that we'll be doing around Mosby that I will start really promoting that I'd love all the listeners help on. This is going to be something that, you know, everybody out there, if, if you're a listener, if you're a fan, if, if you just like what you hear, our stuff, the truck, we're going to have our Christmas stuff, the truck deal in uh, December. It'll be coming up. I'm going to start, you know, I'll be pushing that soon, really talking about when and where and how you can drop off toys for, um, you know, the, the needy, we, we do it with kids of cancer and all this stuff. I'm not sure yet what we're, we're organization we're doing it with, but just a great way to help new toys and that. And we have a big event at our, at our office and we fill the truck up and Santa's there and all this fun stuff. So that'll be the next big Mosby thing we'll be getting into that. I would love everybody. So keep a listen out for it all. I'd love everybody's help with that. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, so I, I got Frank on the line, but I think, uh, Eric, will get into our first break here. And Frank, if you can hold the line, I'll, I'll get to you as soon as we get back. All right. We are back and, uh, having a great time and, and real quick before I get to Frank, I want to let everybody else know, give us a call 314-241-9797 or 866-455-9797. Love to help you out today around the house and hear what you got going on. And a quick reminder, too, we've got our Stephanina's gift cards, um, a $25 gift card to one lucky caller today. We will uh, take all the, the callers, leave a number with Zach when you call in um, and uh, let him know your location. And We'll just put them in a hat uh, come Monday, Tuesday at our office, pull someone out, and we will just give you a call, get your information, and mail you that gift card out. So so one lucky winner today will get a $25 gift card to Stefanina's Restaurant. And so I'm going to jump on with Frank here. And uh, thanks for holding the line. Frank, what do you got going? Oh, I got a 2,200-square-foot house built in 1978, and the entire ceiling, of course, has the wonderful... Uh, cottage cheese or popcorn, if you will. Uh, I personally like it, but uh, I, I guess I'm in the minority. Some of it looks like it's never been painted, and I feel like if I try to paint it, a lot of it will crumble off, and I'll be adding to my eventual scrape. I'm just wondering, is, can I do this, and what's the best way to wet it down, and should I bring a hose in? What do I need to do? So, um in order to paint it, is that what you're asking? What you need well, to do? Should I paint it, or just I'm just saying to scrape it and make it turn it into a smooth feeling? Oh, so I got you. Yes. Um, so the first thing I would I would say um, in in trying to get rid of that that popcorn ceiling texture is um, you you want to have that ceiling tested for asbestos. Um, in 1978, you're not very likely that you have it um, because that's kind of the, the cutoff year. I think 77 was the actual cutoff year where they stopped letting, you know, people use it or whatever. But I know they let people sell it. They let the companies sell off their stock for a while. And there may have been, you know, workers or companies that had bags of this stuff in stock that they may have used even into the early 80s possibly. 
that huh. had just been sitting around. So there's a good possibility that, you know, popcorn ceiling have asbestos in them. It's super easy to test. You can get a, you know, an environmental company like Wellington Environmental is who Mosby works with. And all we do is scrape a little area of it off into like a Ziploc bag, zip it up, and then they can take it off and test it. I think it's like $70, $80, maybe 90 or 100 or something to get that test done. But it's well worth your health. I don't think you're going to be positive for it, but I would just check it out because you don't want to be breathing that stuff in. Um, so if it doesn't have asbestos, yeah, the, the easiest way is just basically you scrape it down and, and scrape it off and, and get as much off as possible. You, you can wet it, but usually we do it dry and then it leaves it a little bit bumpy. And then what you do is you just skim coat over that, or you can try to, you know, mist it with a spray bottle and scrape off more and see if you can get it any smoother. Um, sometimes you will get more of that off of there. Um, but the professionals generally, they do like a fast scrape, get it down and then skim coat, sand the ceiling. And then you got a nice smooth ceiling, you know, to work with after that. But if you're okay with the popcorn, you can paint that and leave it up there. And, you know, if it hasn't been painted or it hasn't had a lot of coats of paint on it already, you will lose some of it. If you use a, a paint roller, the thicker the roller, the more of it you're going to grab and pull off and lose. And sometimes it's very hard to say. Sometimes a lot will come out, sometimes barely any. Um, and your other option would be is to spray the ceiling with, you know, use a paint sprayer. And, you know, it's kind of like a power washer. You don't want to get too close. You'll, you'll use a little extra paint trying to stay away so you're not blowing that stuff off. But if you spray it from a good distance and do a couple coats like that, that'll, that'll keep it on the ceiling also. So you can paint over it. Um, okay. On the skim coat, when you scrape it down that far, doesn't that expose plasterboard lines? And don't I have to be like a plasterboard guy to fix those seams? Or am I going that deep? You really shouldn't go that deep, but the, the problem you might have is so, so they do these textures because they can save a coat of joint compound on the seams when they do these textures. So mm -hmm. you see a lot of apartment complexes, they do the ceilings and the walls with a knockdown kind of bumpy texture um, or a lot of new construction, you know, in, in the 60s, 70s, 80s did that on the ceilings because they could do, there's different levels of finishes on drywall. There's, you know, three, four, five, and, you know, there's one where it's almost like a skim coat of the entire ceiling. And so it's how far they take that finish. So they save money on the drywall doing less of a finish. And then they spray that texture and you don't see it as well. So when you scrape that texture off, that's why we immediately usually go into skim coating because wow. you'll see where some of those seams are. And yeah. yeah, you do really got to be pretty good with joint compound, you know, to, to really do that. And, you know, it takes a lot of practice to be good and quick at it. And, you know, it's, it's not like auto body where you just, if you put on a whole bunch, you just keep sand until it's gone again and smooth where you want it. It's you, you can put on too much and it's very hard to get off. Mm, so sounds, the, like, sounds like I would just want to scrape as much as I can and then have the skim coaters come in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just find somebody and say, if I scrape this down, you know, how much to come in, skim coat it and sand it so that I can come in and paint it. Now there you'll you be go. at a fresh drywall. 
you know, you'll be at a kind of a fresh coat. So you will need to prime it yeah. with, a, with a primer, good PVA drywall primer first, and then start painting a couple coats of All paint right. on top of that once it's skim coated. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Great question. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a task that's doable for, for some people, kind of like, um, you know, and maybe half that task is doable for you. You kind of can get the scraping done, but maybe have somebody, you know, come in for the the finished part of it, and then maybe you can do the painting yourself. So that is definitely, you know, ways that you can get through some of this without, you know, paying for somebody to do every step all the way through. Here at Mosby, we can work that either way, you know, for, for our clients where, Generally, we like, you know, we're turnkey. We can do everything start to finish. We have all of the people and, you know, all of the, the skilled trades and everything to get through everything start to finish. But we can, you know, skip those steps and, and come in and just do a portion of things or leave the painting for later, a little sweat equity, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. We can work through in, you know, many different ways for everybody. So if you have anything like that, you know, feel free you know, any type of remodeling or even even smaller stuff like that, feel free to give our office a call. We can we can come out and talk to you about it and check it out. Uh, 314-909-1800 is that number, and we can do any type of uh, projects and remodeling projects like that. And, of course, you know, for those of you who don't know, we're full design build. So we have the architects and the designers and the drafters and, you know, room additions and full house remodels and, and pretty much everything. So, um we can help get you through it. So for now, I'm going to get to uh, Wayne on the line has a plumbing question. Are you there, Wayne? Yes, sir. Hey. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks for calling in. What do you got? Yeah, we moved in the house a few years ago, and uh, apparently the pressure was too high in the floor lines. So we had the home warranty to put a new uh, reducer on. Then later, we had to get the updated meter. So... The water company put an updated meter on it now. Now it's only got the humming in the pipes. Uh huh. Mainly when you use that dishwasher and like the washing machine, just a low humming. And uh, a lot of people said it was a pressure reducer. And you're making that noise. Okay. I'm just wondering if that was, I mean, it's not that old. I was wondering maybe something got in the <clears throat> calcium or something broke off and. Yeah, I mean that could be that could be something going on if if it happened, you know, closer to the dishwasher, and you know, you got some debris in there near, you know, some of the fittings that that can happen. Um, but that that pressure regulator can, you know, get kind of touchy and stuff, and and definitely, um, you know, make make stuff like that happen, make noises happen. Um, so something I would try is. Um, one, have you tested the actual pressure to see if it's still in a good place, you know, lately? Have you done that or have you not done that since? So it's 55 pounds. So okay. 55. So, okay. So yeah, you're, you're definitely in a, in a good zone still. So I would, first thing I would try is to take that regulator and, um, I would try and raise that pressure up and it's just the little turn screw, um, kind of raise it up maybe to 60 and okay. then bring it back down maybe to 50 and then bring it back to 55 and, okay. and, you know, maybe let it, let it run at 60 for like a day, let it run at 50 for like a day and then put it back to 55 
and see if that does anything, if that, that might help indicate if it's actually, you know, in that pressure regulator, that's kind of causing that to happen. Cause you might notice that, well, it didn't do it, you know, it, it it's 60, but it did it at 50 and 55. Okay. Um, and it's not an exact science, you know, you just don't want it up at like 80, 70, 80. I've had houses where, you know, they're, they love their water pressure and we're like, okay, yeah, you're like 90, you know, no wonder you love it, but you're, you're going to blow everything out, you know, and, you know, have all these problems. So I would start with that and see okay. if that does anything and that'll kind of guide you in the direction. And then, you know, another thing you could try and do is, um, if that doesn't do anything is actually take the supply off of that dishwasher and, and run it out, kind of get the water, blow everything out of it, turn on the supply, catch the water in a big, you know, all right. We are back from our heartbreak. This is right at home with Rich. I am your host, Rich Orris. And, uh, you know, I want to apologize quick off to Wayne because I got so excited on that answer and given the information, totally missed the hard break and just cut right in. So um, for, for Wayne out there um, or anybody else experiencing that type of stuff, um, where I was kind of going was flush all that out, turn on the, the supply, flush everything out, see if you get any debris out of there. Then you can hook everything back up, get the air out of it, get it running and see if that helps that humming noise. But plumbing knocks and, and humming noises and, and stuff like that, vibrations are truly the hardest thing to try and find, locate, and correct because it can be so many different things that they're very, very hard to find. Sometimes it can also be where just a pipe is coming through the floor, and if they drill a hole and the side of that pipe is touching the side of the hole, uh, the wood, the stud or the, or the plywood or where it's coming through the hole or even through a cabinet, make sure things are clear. Sometimes it's just go through. And as the humming's happening, if, if you can, it's happening long enough, just touch pipes and, and try and find anything that changes that, that noise. I've had a lot of them where it's just where it's coming through the hole and you get like a knocking PVC pipe will do that in the drains with a knock with expansion and contraction. So there's a lot of that reasons why that stuff can happen. And sometimes it's just the old fashioned trial and error, figure out what, you know, what it is. You just got to kind of keep, you know, checking and poking and, and looking at things to see where it is. So um, hopefully one of those things will help Wayne stop that, that plumbing hum in, in, when he runs his dishwasher um, so we have, uh, we have Mark on the line. I want to remind everybody we're here to help you. So give us a call 314-241-9797. We've got our $25 Stefanina's Italian restaurant gift card that we're going to be giving away. Leave a phone number in your location with Zach and, uh, we'll get with, uh, we'll pull one lucky winner. We'll get with you next week and we'll just mail that gift card out to you. We'll get your information and mail it right to you. Easy, easy to do and get. So I'm going to jump on here with Mark and uh, what uh, you got going on for us, Mark. Thanks for calling. What's shaking today? Hey, a lot. I got to fix my roof. What do you got to fix? Oh, man. That's an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. So I've got a cedar. Uh, it's about two and a half inches thick slab wood, and it's going to be used for a vanity top. So I'm going to attach some chains to it and then mount it to the wall. It's already got some blocking, almost like a drawbridge. Oh, yeah. 
So I, how do I seal that? What do I seal that with? Is it an epoxy? Is it? I want to have it clear and just have like that natural look. Yeah. So I would um, I would use what they call a marine finish. It's going to be kind of like the side of a boat. Um, okay. And there's a couple ways you could do this. So there is an epoxy that you could have uh, that you can have done where they actually. It's kind of like you've seen the tables in the restaurants where they've got stuff underneath them and it's like a real thick, like epoxy that you pour on. It kind of self levels. That is one way you can do it. And you can get the, the, the materials to do that. Although that's, you get air bubbles and things like that. Mm -hmm. Not even all professionals could do that really well. Honestly, I wouldn't even try that myself. I would hire a professional for that kind of finish. Uh, okay. But if you go in and you look at, um, in, in like the paint stores and say, I'm looking for like a marine finish, like an outdoor, like a boat type of, you know, um, coating you put on. It's like a polyurethane, but it's just nastier oil, just a better finish. We've used it outside on like real wood shutters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of finish you're, you're going to be looking for. Something that could actually withstand water you know, sitting on there and it's going to fill seams and stuff like that where the wood seams. Okay, um, that's that's what you're going to be after for cedar. So, so and that's just something that, uh, should I go to like a paint store? Or yeah, I would go to a paint store. I would try like a Porter or Sherwin Williams or something like that and, and tell them what you're doing and yep. tell them you're looking for like kind of a Marine finish, like something so gloss and just so hard, you know, that if a puddle of water sits on it for 12 hours and you find it later, it's not going to, you know, It'll still take years to damage that finish. Right, right, great. And and another reason maybe for that guy's uh, squeaking or, or rattling is if he's got like a multi-turn shutoff that washer, you know, can vibrate too, making a humming noise as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's another good point. It's so hard, yeah. That's kind of part of that trial and error is like just turn it off and turn it back on and see if it makes it any different. If it makes it different, even for a while, then maybe change that shutoff for a quarter turn. There you, you know, go. And right, thanks, uh, yep. Rich. Hey, thank you, and thanks for the the advice on the plumbing too. Awesome. I appreciate the call. Um, a lot of good questions. We've got some lined up here, so I'm going to go to uh, Gina and uh, see what's happening. Thanks for calling, Gina. Hi, Rich. Thank you for getting me through, or your staff. I am calling for my sister. She has a home in St. Peter's. It's a little about 1,100 square foot slab home. Hardwood throughout, except for the kitchen and bathroom, and she has some buckling by her front door. She's already contacted the insurance company. They think the water came from something with her hot water heater with a hose, but that's probably like 15 to 18 feet away from the front door. So she's already been looking at flooring, vinyl plank, and I'm like, whoa, 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 back up. We need to see for sure what what caused this? Because if you don't want to redo the floors and then have it happen again. Oh, yeah. So, um, where to start? Yeah. Boy, that's that's going to be a, a, a little bit of a tough one or, or something that you really almost have to be out there and look at and examine and see. Um, but water can, you know, water takes the path of the least resistance and it can come from pretty far away sometimes and, and make a path to somewhere and, and start doing that. Um, and with the concrete, if it's on a slab, you know, there could be moisture from under the slab, but my, my offhand guess is if it's, 
And one of the questions I'd ask is, is it near like both ends of the door where it's kind of near like the far trim to the right and the far trim to the left, you know, um, at that door, or is it just along that threshold of that door? Cause I'm betting it's kind of like a, either a, a wicking from the concrete from the outside with driven reins and it's getting under that threshold and it's, you know, wicking up the wood and getting in, or it's coming around that door on the siding. The other thing I check is like the siding, the type of siding, if it's vinyl siding, water gets around it and can wash down, um, and, and get back in there. So I would bet it's from a window door, vinyl siding type of deal getting down to the bottom of that door and working its way in under the threshold if it's that close to the door as opposed to like the the area where they thought it was from it's like you have to walk down you know the hall and make a left which is not it's not a big home but it's i understand water takes the path of least resistance but it just seems so strange it seems like it would be something that's coming in more from the front yeah and well it could be where like two feet Two to three feet when you walk in, just from the front door. Maybe two feet. Two to okay. Three feet. Okay. So yeah, it's it'd be really looking at it and seeing how the floor slopes, and because if there is something from the water heater area where it slopes down and it kind of creates a puddle in that area, because concrete's imperfect and it'll kind of you know puddle and get smoothed out, and there's you know it's all done by hand, so there's kind of highs and lows. Right. So if it's all sloping that way, like from the water heater, it could run under that wood, not affect that wood as much, but affect it more where it's puddling near the door, you know, so it really still could be from that water heater area right. and kind of getting over there. And, you know, that's where it all puddles and soaks into the hardwood. So I would, I would have, you know, I would tell her to call us and see if we can come out and make sure, look at the siding, look at the area and make sure there's nothing else we don't see with that. Okay. Because we're we're good at all of those areas, so we can inspect the windows, the siding, the door, and and really draw some some really good conclusions to make sure we don't think it's something else. Right. There could should be a leak outside. Even, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I, should hardwood even be on a slab type of home? I mean, it can, and it's okay. When we do that, we try and use like a glue down adhesive that's pretty moisture resistant. That's like a, a moisture barrier. It's a different kind of adhesive okay. um, because yeah, you just get moisture wicking up through that concrete and it could be that too. If it's a low spot in the, in the floor, it could just be moisture, vapor, everything coming through and just causing this to happen. And, and it may never go away. You know, you can fix it and, and it might is, come back. What's the best kind of floor to put on a slab home like that? A small slab home. Like the vinyl planks, yeah, I know the, are new and exciting, but yep, they're they are great because they're vinyl and um, they, they've usually got like cork or whatever at the bottom, so none of that's really majorly affected by water. So you can take it up, clean it, put it back, and it won't you know warp and have all these problems from the moisture. So I would say that's the best if you want the hard look, hard wood look. There's yeah. you could do ceramic tile and you could do wood looking ceramic tile. That's another great way to do it for, for, you know, moisture, moisture vapor coming through a concrete floor or just good old carpet, nice pad, yeah. carpet pad, you know, but coming in your door, usually you want something there hard, 
Yeah. Right, and she has a seven-year-old little boy, so it's just easier to keep that clean. Um, and then my last question is, if you would, if you would do like a vinyl plank throughout, do you have to have transition strips when you're trying to get a continuous look and not not look at make it look like it's kind of chopped up? I know the transition strips might be. Um, are those necessary? Is my question. It depends on how big and how far you're going and everything, but generally, I'd say in, in a house that size and everything, probably not. Okay. Um, and especially on concrete, because it doesn't matter which way you run the floor on concrete. Okay, so even if you, if she would be able to continue like that, look through the kitchen, through the uh, living area and bedrooms, probably wouldn't need transition strips because it's not. Prob- yeah. You, no, okay. you really shouldn't need them. Nope. Okay. All right. Well, you've been super helpful. I appreciate your time, and I thank you so much. Oh, no no problem. Thank you for calling. I appreciate the call. We're going to get into our final break here. Great. And we'll get into some more of these calls when we return. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks. All right. We are back, and we are getting close to the end of this hour here, and I got a few calls, so I'm just going to get right at these and see if we can get through them all. Um, we've got Sherry on the line. Sherry, you've got some columns you'd like worked on? Well, uh, we have a porch in the front of our house. It's a typical two-story house with um, uh, columns and um, uh, railing uh, between the columns. Uh-huh. Just typical stuff. It's been there for like a good 24, 25 years, and it needs to be replaced. It was wood, painted, which is, you know, it's been painted over the years, but it's just rotting. Okay. So... So I was wondering, you know, on the newer houses, meaning, you know, the ones within the last, I guess, five years, they have maybe one-third of that postal column is now brick. And I was wondering with what I have and where they position the original uh, poster columns on my house, can I have that converted? Can it be converted into that box square uh, brick to match the brick on my house? Are they going to have to move everything, all of the supports and everything? Well, so that that is the biggest thing that we run into is when you do those brick or stone columns, like the bottom third, uh-huh. you need a bigger area on the porch because those are usually wider than the post. And so when you get up to where the post hits the, the top of the beams and everything, sometimes that needs to be thought through to where it, it lands at the bottom because it's wider and then skinnier at the top. So it can right. be done, and I've seen it done a lot, and we do it. Uh, but you got to kind of look at. Sometimes you need to redo the concrete of the porch to make it bigger, to make it uh, really aesthetically look right. I've seen I, a I lot see. of them where they do them too skinny just to make them fit, yeah. and then they just don't look right. And that's that's the big thing is finding that out. It, yes, it can be done, but will it look good, and will you like it? Would be uh-huh. you know you. You, this is where we come into kind of like that designing part, right? Taking all these measurements and figuring that out because I'd rather see a, a a column too skinny that doesn't look right on paper or on a three D rendering or on a television than on a house built. And then right. you're kind After of looking done. at it going, "Oh man, I paid how much?" And that's <laughs> kind of you know it it doesn't suit the house. It's not big right. enough or it's not proportioned correctly. So that's where. You know, we can do design work to figure out how is that truly going to be, right. and will you, you be happy me, with it? Okay, can you tell me the supports that are the columns that I have on the house now? That of course they're the box ones. And, uh, do they have a post 
in the middle of them for support, or is it just that wood that's supporting that overhang? Um, so it's kind of done both ways sometimes. Usually there's a post there, and they kind of build that wood over top of that to, to get the design. Uh-huh. Um, but other times, depending on if it's columns, they can be bought that are structurally ready to go, and they're hollow in their wood and everything, and they support you know, the, the porch roof. So it depends on if they bought kind of pre-made columns and put them in, or if they wrapped a post and made it look nice, you know, it's done both ways. It's hard to tell sometimes. Right. Well, I I do know that the railing and stuff was made specifically for the house. Uh In other words, it wasn't bought at Home Depot or wherever. Okay. So I know that they tooled that themselves. So maybe they did the post too. We're going to find out because they've got to be done because, it being wood over all of these years with the rain and the weather and stuff, they are beginning to deteriorate. So yeah. I just wanted to know if they could be feasibly, you know, replaced with the brick, but it's kind of like that's way too involved to what I want to get into. Well, and sometimes <laughs> and it's and stuff. sometimes it's not, you know what I mean, where it's kind of like, and it will look right, and, and you just got to kind of go through the steps, you know, to figure that out, but... I, I would I would say if, if you're looking for, you know, someone to do this, if you're looking for a professional to do it, call our office and have us come out and take a look at it. Okay. Where we can talk to you about what the feasibility is. Sometimes we can just look at it and go, that's never going to fit right. Never going to work. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can do that. Thank you. All right. No problem. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Uh-huh. Um, another great question. I'm going to jump to uh, Doug. And uh, you got a fireplace you're looking at? Yes, hello. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, and you're yes, welcome. I have a very old fireplace in high, my home in High Ridge. It said that uh, Ulysses Grant actually stayed in our home on his way to Grant's farm many years ago. Oh, wow. So the, yeah, so the fireplace was kind of important to us. And uh, my understanding is that the smoke chamber on the inside, the bricks are sort of uh, stair steps, and they need to be smoothed out or parched. And uh, my estimate came in at 3700 and uh, I'm wondering if I could save myself nearly half of that cost by doing it myself or if I would be better off to leave this to, to a professional. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, inside the fireplace, um, what they're doing, and it, I, I, I would say leave it to the professionals, but I'm a professional, so, you know, but a lot of times it's, it's you know, how far are you willing to take it? And then what are the repercussions if it's wrong? And this is like a big repercussion if it's wrong thing for, for my book, you know what I mean? Where it's, it's a big deal. uh, Damper needs to be replaced as well. So I was thinking that if I took the damper out, then I could get to the area in the smoke chamber with the, the mortar mix and so forth and get in there and do the work. Um, but it would be the, my first time doing it. And, uh, you know, I understand the risk involved if I if I didn't do it exactly right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's honestly for me, I'd lean you towards a professional. Just bite the bullet and see if there's other projects you can do down the road that'll save you the same amount of money later. I got you. Okay, you know? very good advice. I enjoy your show. Thank you very much, and uh, have a great weekend. Hey, no problem. No, I appreciate the call, and we've got everybody getting on the on the list here for um, the Stephanita's gift card. So uh, I'm out of time, time to run, but had a lot of calls and and a lot of fun, and uh, I appreciate it, and I will talk to everybody next week. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.